welcome to the Scam Economy with your host, Matt Bender. Happy New Year, everyone. It is the first episode of Scam Economy for 2023, 2022, the first year of this show in the bag. And now there's so much already going on in 2023, and we will be talking about all of it in the coming weeks and months ahead. But before we do that, I wanted to take a quick look back at 2022. I just wanted to make sure we had our bases covered and we hit some of the most over-the-top and ridiculous stories of the year. And what better way to run down some of the faves, I guess, is to bring on Web3 is going great creator Molly White once again on this show to discuss all of the very worst of crypto, blockchain, Web3, NFTs, you know, or as we call it on this show, the scam economy in 2022. To support this show, go to patreon.com slash mattbinder to become a paying monthly subscriber. You can also support this show by becoming a subscriber on YouTube at youtube.com slash mattbinder or becoming a follower on Twitch at twitch.tv slash mattbinder. And you can check out all the links to the podcast version of this show at scameconomy.com. Now let's get to the best of the worst of the year that crypto went to shit. And joining me now, once again, long time no see, is Molly White, the creator of Web3 is Going Great. Great to have you back. Thanks for having me. And I got to say, just super crazy how we just both happen to be wearing the same exact thing that we were wearing just last week when I uh, last spoke with you. I'm actually like a cartoon character where I just have the same outfit in my closet 10 times. I actually, uh, not jokingly, <laughs> have that thing going on. I have the same like <laughs> two pairs of jeans, uh, the same two hoodies. Uh, <laughs> really, the only thing that rotates is the shirts, but they're all band or pro wrestling or horror movie t-shirts. Yep. <laughs> but they're all black shirts, by the way. I don't wear any color right. that's non-black. Yeah, I've noticed that. I, I was at first I was like, maybe it's something he does for the show just so that the show is consistent, you know? Then right. I was like, oh, I think that's just how he is. <laughs> no, in fact the only shirts I can't wear for the show are the the black shirts I have that have like green print, like some of like the zombie movie shirts oh, I have yeah, have green print. Yeah. So I can't wear those. I'm wearing an against me shirt right now that's like a greenish yellow. So I can't if I if I unzip the hoodie, you could it's, you'll see right through it. So, yeah. <laughs> but that's about it. The blacks, the black wear though, that's me 24 <laughs> seven, but we didn't cut, you know, we're not here, unfortunately to talk about fashion, although, uh, we have very good fashion the both of us, I would say, um, we're here to talk about the year in crypto, NFTs, web three, blockchain, all this garbage to be quite frank. And, you know, I, I thought. You know, what What? What better person to talk to than literally probably the world's only person who knows about every single major and minor scam, <laughs> grift, fraud, rug pull. Uh, I don't even know what else to say. Uh, so, Molly, what is like – let's start with this. Let's, let's give people something they might not have heard before. 
what is like the standout uh, crypto thing to happen this year that like might have flown under like the mainstream radar? Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> I know you probably have a hundred you could name. I was gonna say there are just so many. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that some of the crypto the some of the nft project rug pulls were pretty spectacular especially the ones that had celebrities involved with them and i feel like those never got the uh the attention that i expected them to you know like it seemed like it would be kind of a media darling story you know it's like some celebrity put together this nft project and then just totally gave up on it and took all the money that seems like a dream but a lot of them never actually got that much coverage which was surprising to me Right. Was there was there any specific individual that comes off the top of your head who who we should name drop? Maybe we could bring shame on them now, even though they escaped the <laughs> Maybe shame. Maybe you could get them to come on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there were a couple. There were some sports players. Uh, De'Aaron Fox was one of them. He mm. created this uh, NFT project that was these really horrifying. They were kind of like Uncanny Valley um, Fox characters. Uh, that were all NFTs, and there there was this whole roadmap that they were going to give out scholarships, and you could get tickets to his games, and it was pretty popular. You know, they had like a ton of people in the Discord, and and I think they made over a million dollars in terms of the sales, um, and then just kind of vanished. He like made some kind of lame excuses about how he was just so busy with playing in the NBA, as though he is like out there coding up the smart contracts himself, you know, or whatever. Um, and so I was, yeah, that was, that was definitely a big one. That was in February, I think. Right. I, but I, that, I, no, go I ahead. was just going to say that was only one in a string of celebrity rug pulls. I, I had to add a category to the website for it because there's been several. <laughs> right. And it's hard for me, actually with the celebrity ones, it's hard for me to remember if it was uh, in 2022 or in 2021, because 2021 was like the year of the influencer crypto scam. Yeah. I feel like people caught on. I feel like this year it was like the, the, the most of the scams and grifts came from inside the house, like in the crypto <laughs> world, like 2021. Yeah, where right. it was, yeah, 2021 when it was it was when it was like your favorite Instagram model could all of a sudden <laughs> rug pull you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She could launch a token and yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think it helped that like NFTs were so big towards the beginning of the year and then last year. And that, that is a very sort of accessible thing, I think for people to get into if, even if they're, you know, Instagram models or whatever. And it's also something I think that they're easily sold on by, you know, outside people who are like hey you should do an nft project and they're like cool i want to sell pictures of myself you know it sort of makes sense um so yeah there were a lot of those right right for, for me the one that comes to mind when we're talking about celebrities this one didn't go under the radar and this isn't this wasn't really like his fault i well it's his fault for buying it um but seth green while we're talking celebrities <laughs> yeah. he didn't he didn't scam anybody he was scammed but the, the story is amazing where basically Seth Green bought this board ape. And, you know, Molly, you, you probably know the story even better than I do. Uh, do you want to get people uh, up to date with what happened to Seth Green this year with his board ape NFT? Yeah. So he actually I don't think he actually bought it. I think it was given to him by Steve Aoki, the musician who's uh, really into crypto and NFTs, specifically NFTs. 
Um, he was, yeah, he was given this board ape, uh, and immediately decided that he wanted to make a TV show using the board ape as one of the characters. And which is something Yuga did... Labs, the parent company, allows board ape holders to do. If you have a board right. ape, you can use it to create your own IP using the ape character, and Yuga Labs says that's totally fine. That's apparently the big plus about uh, owning a board ape. You can print up shirts with your board ape that literally nobody outside of the board ape yacht club occult to know about. I mean, I, I never understood that. <laughs> it's, it's, like, would... it's like they act like you like... have the IP to Mickey Mouse or something. No one knows who the board apes are outside of your little board ape weirdo world. <laughs> yeah, I find it so interesting how like widespread that is, where people are like, "Yeah, it's so cool, you get the IP," and it's like. When have you ever found yourself wanting to like license or like use the IP to something and make things to sell? Like that is not something you've ever wanted to do before. <laughs> like why is that now suddenly interesting to you? Um, right, I, I've but... noticed that in crypto so in, in in Web three so much. There was another project that's like um, we're going to bring people in and they're going to create characters and then we're going to build stories around these characters. Like, no, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You don't make the character first and sell the NFT for the character and then build the story around the character. No one cares about characters until they have a good story. Like, yeah. why do you think people care about Spider-Man or Superman or any major character whose IP is actually worth something? It's because people love them for the stories they were in and the character that was created from these stories. They do they do the whole thing backwards. Yeah, right. But um, anyway, so with yeah, with Seth Green, he decided he was going to use his uh, his ape to make some TV show, and it was a very weird. I saw the trailer for it because they they put out the trailer at some festival or something like that. And it was like some sort of mixed, you know, it was like part of it was real life actors. And then part of it was animated characters. And I think there were other NFTs walking around in there too. So I don't, I don't even really know, but he basically made this big splash with this project that he was going to do, you know, this TV show that he was going to launch. And it was like immediately after he, um, that, you know, he showed that trailer, someone stole his board ape. Um, and he was like all upset about it. He was tweeting about it, trying to get the guy to like give it back to him. And, uh, he, you know, there's this whole saga about like, so if an ape is stolen from you, does that mean that the thief now has the property rights, even though they were not really legitimately obtained? You know, it's like, does Seth Green still have it because he was the last legitimate owner? You know, there's all these questions about it. Um, but ultimately, he was able to get his ape back only by paying three hundred thousand dollars for it. That's a, I mean, uh, that's a lot of money. I mean, that's maybe not for him, money. I guess. But he's, I mean, I don't know how much Seth Green is worth, but he's not like an A-list actor. Like that's still got to be a chunk of change for him. Who knows? Maybe he saved up uh, from his Doctor Evil, son of Doctor <laughs> Evil money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess like probably. You know, compared to the money that he had already sunk into the TV show, you know, it may not have seemed like seemed like that much money if it was. Yeah, you know, but, but also it could have been a good out for him because I think a nice news flash for him would be, uh, buddy, that TV show ain't going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, no one cares. I actually, for a while, I I was like on the fence over whether or not the ape was actually stolen. 
I was like, this is a marketing uh, thing, marketing isn't it? Guy. That he's just trying... Because he did get a lot of headlines for it, like way more headlines than he got for the actual trailer, which was like completely uninteresting. Um, right. But I, I don't know. It, maybe he's maybe that was still actually the case that he staged the whole thing. It, it would be completely on brand for crypto. Right. And also a complete failure of marketing being that everyone was really interested in the actual theft. And immediately after it was over, no one gave a shit anymore. Everyone <laughs> forgot about it. Yeah. I can't even remember the name of the show. show. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, I just I had it in front of me. I didn't even realize that White Horse Tavern. <laughs> Yeah, I know it was based around a bar. I remember seeing the trailer and being like, so is it, it's always sunny? Like, is that what it's supposed to be? But I don't know. <laughs> right, right. You know, I, I, the, the the idea, the fact that he had to buy it back, it's pretty clear that like uh, uh, Yuga Labs, the Board Ape Yacht Club parent company, they, uh, they are hands off of it, even if you're a celebrity, which means good luck if you're not like... If you're just a person investing in board ABI club, good luck to you if someone hacks you because they don't care. Um, B, uh, it actually does seem like it doesn't matter how it was obtained. If you have the NFT, you are the legal owner of the IP for the time being. Yeah, I mean, the other thing, too, could just be that, you know, the cost of trying to go into court and figure out an answer to that question may have paled in comparison to the $300,000 price tag. Like that could have been, that would have probably been a pretty big court case. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know, but it seemed, I don't know. (laughs) Right, right, right. I guess we'll just never know because I think uh, uh, if Seth Green wouldn't go to court for this, probably not many other people (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. Although there are a lot of actual, there are a lot of board ape related court cases open right now. Right, aren't those like usually like class action, and and that's a little bit yeah, it's easier mostly to, class action because those are just lawyers who want to put their name out there, so they they right. get involved for. I think, yeah, I think two or three of the class action lawsuits are actually the same legal firm, and in some cases they've actually used like some of the same text between the lawsuits. They they're not putting in their a game i don't think right are they the same ones who just uh filed the lawsuit against all those celebrities who were promoting uh i don't think so no it's a different one right yeah no i think that's separate um but no it's there was a there was a whole slew of lawsuits earlier this year uh from people who owned bored apes and who had them stolen through like OpenSea, and the lawsuits are against OpenSea primarily um, and I forget if they're against you. I think they're also against Yuga Labs because they're mad that Yuga did nothing to try to help them get the apes back, basically. Right. Uh, so, yeah, if, but I, I haven't I, heard much about any of those lately. If we're, if we're looking back at the year, I almost forgot that this was actually this year, much earlier this year. I think it was like in January or February. Um, that unforgettable Jimmy Fallon, Paris Hilton interview segment on the Tonight Show, where they literally, for like ten minutes, just pumped NFTs and the Board Ape Club specifically, and I have never seen such an obvious product placement in my life. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad and almost unbelievable that a major network television station just let it happen. Like, yeah. really crazy and like. He continued, Fallon continued to like talk about NFTs in this really bizarre way throughout his show for many months. Yeah, it was um, very like artificial. Um, you know, it was it just reminds me of like 
I don't know, parodies or whatever, where, you know, there's like a movie and, and they're like, you know, and now I'm going to take a drink of my Coca-Cola, you know, right. <laughs> so right. Yeah. Like a very senior thing. Right. Well, they were like, they're like, oh, what made you pick your uh, board ape? Oh, you know, I just felt like um, it, it looked like me. It's like it looks like an ape. It looks like a monkey. It doesn't look like you yeah. at all. Doesn't even have your hair. It doesn't look nothing it like no you. What do you hair, mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was so bad. But yeah, I mean, I think I mean, the lawsuit that is that names them also names Jimmy Fallon's production company. So, um, I mean, know. to me, to me, the most stunning thing is just like how in your face it was clear that this was all, uh, you know, uh, behind the scenes orchestrated hype, because. Uh, and I pointed this out on the live show that I did that I can't believe I did a live show this year. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> uh, there was a photo of um, a, a gif of uh, Paris Hilton's board ape where it like takes the hat off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like blonde hair comes flowing down to like act like it looks more like Paris Hilton. Gwyneth Paltrow has a board ape and she tweets out a gif of her board ape doing the exact same thing, taking off its hat and the blonde hair comes down. You're telling me that it just so happens that these two came up with the same thing. No way. This was the same. Yeah. This was the same firm who worked together with them, who orchestrated this all in advance. I don't like, do I, do I have the paperwork in front of me? No, but sometimes there's speculation that is just so in your face. It's not even wild speculation. It's just like almost impossible to deny that's what happened. Yeah. I mean, and there's, I think there's a lot of evidence to point to the fact that like board apes and moon pay and all of these various like, um, artist representative representatives are kind of in cahoots, you know, it's like every guy to somebody and yeah, exactly. And like, he's there at every turn. You look at any, like you, you lift up like any, any like I don't know peer by behind any wall, lift any curtain at the Board Ape Yacht Club, and there's Guy Osieri. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think someone should, uh, and I don't mean even just a journalist. I mean, uh, someone involved with whether this stuff is legal or not should look into yeah. just how uh, you know many uh, you know f- uh, different. What's the word? Uh, uh, dips this guy's dipping into. I forget the term. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, how many fingers this guy's sticking in his fingers? In no, I don't know. Pies, I, think. I think. Yeah, I think so. How many pies this guy's sticking <laughs> his fingers in? There's a metaphor there that you're dancing right, it's, around. Without without disclosing, we should say without disclosing. Right. Yeah. And actually, that's kind of one thing that like a lot of the class action lawsuits. I mean, class action lawsuits in crypto. It's like they're a dime a dozen. I half the time I don't even bother writing them up because they're just so common and not likely to go anywhere. Um, but I did write up the one recently about all of the celebrities. Cause like, you know, it does seem like someone should be looking into that. And I don't know if it, if the class action lawsuit is really the way to go, you know, that that might actually come about. I feel like it might be something that would come out of like the FTC or something like that. But, um, it does seem like there's kind of a legitimate concern there. Right. Right. So let's, you know, I, we, I wanted to talk about like, you know, something maybe people didn't hear, hear about. And we went, went into the whole NFT thing, which is great because NFTs definitely had their moment. Again, I think Board Ape Yacht Club peaked at like almost like half a million. Uh, like mm-hmm. the floor price was almost a half a million in April. And right now I think it's like at like 80 uh, percent, lost like 80 percent of its value for the floor price. 
yeah it's definitely below a hundred thousand yeah that's yeah uh still still highly valued but way too highly valued but yes um but to be fair too that is like the the uh you know the the golden goose of nfts and and they're 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 even struggling with uh the floor price well the company is in because the company already got their money people have to remember that yuga labs is uh very well off and they just hired the act the former president of activision blizzard he left activision blizzard he left call of duty and world of warcraft behind to go become the CEO of the Monkey Ape JPEG uh, company. I mean, in fairness, probably not the most hireable guy after the Activision Blizzard uh, scandal. That's true. That's true. But I think I think the guy who took the brunt of that had left already. So this guy was already. Yeah, in the that's clear true. Movie. This yeah. is like the guy after. Yeah. 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 Um, so let's let's now talk about the probably the biggest story. And I, I don't. We just last week, last episode of the show, we just talked about FTX a lot. Um, so I don't want to get too into FTX now, but I actually think, like, in terms of like the biggest story of the year, is it you know FTX may be the biggest one to drop in terms of like the companies, but I feel like the Terra Luna story has to be the biggest because it's what started everything. Yeah. Um, without Terra Luna f- failing, would everything that happened after it have happened. And I'm going to say probably not, at least not yet. Yeah. I mean, part of me wonders if there just would have been a different, you know, linchpin that would have collapsed everything else. You know, it feels like something had to give and it was Terra Luna. And if Terra Luna wasn't there, it might've been something else, but um, can you give yeah, people a I mean, quick, a quick, like uh, you know, a, a reminder of what, what Terra Luna was all about. Yeah, so Terra Luna was supposed to be so there were actually two coins, Terra and Luna, right. <laughs> and Terra was um, a stable coin that was supposed to be pegged to the U.S. dollar, and it was different from some of the other stable coins in that it is called an algorithmic stable coin, which means that it sort of magically keeps its dollar value based on market incentives and some fancy code, uh, compared to you know, Tether and USDC and a bunch of other major stable coins where the the peg is maintained because at least allegedly, supposedly they have, you know, a dollar worth of real assets that uh, back each quote unquote dollar of the stable coin. Um, and so Terra Luna basically discovered that, um, you know, their model works fairly well if prices are going up or staying relatively stable. But, uh, you know, towards the beginning of this year, there were some sort of just changes in the financial system more broadly. You know, it's like interest rate rates were going up. Inflation was really bad. The job market was looking kind of rough. And so uh, people started to, you know, back off of risky assets like crypto and crypto prices started to drop. And, you know, as we saw some shakiness in the crypto market, Terra Luna was like kind of the first uh, domino to fall, I guess, where they the stablecoin basically lost its peg, meaning that it no longer was worth a dollar. It was like, you know, 95 cents or something like that. And when that happens, you know, it either regains its peg if everything goes as according to plan, or in the case of algorithmic stablecoins, they can enter what is usually called a death spiral, where um, as the the price of Terra begins to drop, 
prices of other assets that back Terra begin to drop. People withdraw. That causes the price to drop. You know, and it's like this snowball effect where it just gets worse and worse and worse and suddenly it just craters and that's what happened with Terra and the associated coin Luna also had been trading at like a hundred dollars plus I think and you know Luna was a a more sort of typical cryptocurrency where it was just a floating value was however much people were willing to pay for it. it wasn't supposed to be pegged to anything um and that came plummeting down from you know a fairly substantially highly valued coin to to zero and a lot of other companies were exposed and lost a lot of money if if i remember correctly the reason they were like you know uh like a brother and sister coin was because essentially if terra was to lose its peg um they the 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 company behind the tokens would like sell off Luna to help even out Terra, like buy up Terra, something like that, if I were to call them. Am I remembering that correctly? There was some sort of like weight that the two had on each other that uh, yeah. attempted to keep each other where they were supposed to be. Yeah, basically the idea was that like you as a crypto trader could arbitrage the price where like it was advantageous for you to push up the price of Terra if it fell below a dollar and it was advantageous advantageous for you to push down the price of Terra if it was above a dollar. Um, and that was via the the basically burning and minting these Luna tokens. Um, but because they were so tightly linked, you know, the 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 collapse was also uh, sort of amplified by that. Right. And talking about uh last episode where we were discussing how sbf got away with what he got away with for so long a whole month before he was arrested we should mention that uh do kwan the founder of the company behind terror and luna is still on the lam he's a he's a wanted fugitive interpol even has like a red alert out for him yeah unless you talk to him he he maintains that he is not on the run and he is just (laughs) hanging out in like Kosovo or something like that. It's somewhere yeah. really bizarre. Serbia just happens yeah. to be like one of the very few places where Interpol can't come and get you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, just hanging out in Serbia where I just always yeah. vacation for months and months out of the year randomly. Uh, what are you guys I talking about? I just love about? painfully cold climates, you know? <laughs> right, right. At the absolute worst time to go there, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that, that'll be an interesting... Oh, I love... Um, the fact that you know um, these guys, Do Kwan, and then um, we haven't mentioned we mentioned them uh, last episode, but Three Arrows Capital is another one really involved yep. here. I've yet to do a Three Arrows Capital episode. I need to. I need to. I need to because they're just as uh, culpable in all this too. But when when SBF, uh, uh, you know, when the rug when the, the curtain was pulled under SBF and his uh, fraud was out there for a full show. Doquan and the Three Arrow Capital guys were coming out and being like, "Aha! A criminal!" It was like, "Excuse me, what do you guys I, think you are?" I love it. I think it's it's like they think that in crypto, like crimes are graded on a curve or something like that. And so, like, he's as soon as someone did a worse crime, they're like see we're not that bad and they're like trying to launder their reputation it's it's very funny to watch it's like it's i mean the thing is too they they totally think that um (laughs) 
they totally think that people are like you said like that i don't know that much of a sucker to believe this sort of stuff but well, you know unfortunately, what? I, I think to some extent they yeah, may be <laughs> i was gonna say that yeah uh I mean, you see some of these people online dropping into their replies being like, oh, I don't, I believe you every step of the way. Uh, this is yeah. all just people spreading FUD. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? Yeah. You're just, well, and we this saw, guy I just... mean, it was what happened with um, the Wonderland project. They basically, um, they, one of their team members was just totally pseudonymous, you know, used a cartoon avatar and was eventually unmasked as Michael Patrin, who had been involved in some really shady financial stuff in the, you know, in the past. Um, and, you know, he, it, it definitely contributed to the collapse of that project. But there are a lot of people out there who are like, devoted fans of his and will go and, you know, buy into whatever project he's working on. And he's constantly like making new projects and stuff. And it's like people just don't care or they forget or, you know, they think that the scammer can scam again and this time they'll be in on it or something like that. Right. Right. Um, yeah. It's just amazing to see the, the people be like, you know, I lost $50,000 to Terra Luna. Oh, spreading FUD by saying Do Kwan lost my like, – they're defending the people who just screwed them over. It's amazing. Um, all right. Let's move to, uh, let's move to the next uh, uh, one. Um, do you, uh, what, what comes to mind for you, Molly, in terms of now, now just like a free reign, like free, free, uh, I don't even know, uh, what do they call it when you just like freestyle, just freestyle. <laughs> it's like whatever comes to mind, like what was something that happened in crypto this year that like you feel people need to take away from when, uh, thinking about 2022 in terms of cryptocurrency. Well, I don't think we could get away without mentioning all of the bridge hacks. Uh, that right. seems like something that has to sort of be mentioned. The many, many hacks of basically blockchain bridges, which are how you can sort of move tokens from one chain to the other. So like if you have Bitcoin, but you want to spend those Bitcoins on the Ethereum chain, you know, or, or whatever tokens you're thinking of, you can sort of bridge them between the two. But they're also this incredible sort of attack vector for hackers. And some of the largest dollar value hacks that we've seen this year were based on blockchain bridges. I think if you were, I, I mean, I, I don't have a list in front of me, but I think if you were to look at like the top 10 crypto hacks this year, it would be, you know, six of them would be blockchain bridges or something like that. And they would be like hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. I think uh, Nomad and uh, Wormhole were two of the big ones. I'm just quickly yep. looking in front of me. Um, well, and the Axie Infinity hack was technically was... a bridge also. And that was that was the biggest crypto hack to date. I, I was going to bring that up as a perfect segue because to me, that's one that, I mean, it, it fits in the the uh, crypto br the the the, uh, the bridge the blockchain bridges, um, you know uh, category, but it also fits into the category of um, RIP Web three gaming. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is yeah. the year. This is the year where the hope of, and I know that's what Board API Club is doing right now with hiring the Activision Blizzard CEO. Uh, I mean, president as their CEO, but. Their 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 mountain to climb is that much higher after due to Axie Infinity. I mean, there was some real 
uh, even going uh, even well into 2022, there was some real, uh, you know, hope for blockchain based gaming. People over and over again, you would hear from uh, people like whatever there would be a naysayer. It was like, listen, you could say what you want about crypto. You could say what you want about pure like NFTs for trading or whatever. You're you're saying that all this is for is just worthless. Uh, you know, highly volatile speculative trading. Okay, 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 fine, fine. Let's say I take everything, all your arguments at, for their word or whatever. But let me tell you, Web3 Gaming, just wait for it. That's the future. Yep. This is where it's all going. All this stuff is just the building blocks for that. And then their, their big, the, the biggest Web3 game, Axie Infinity, just pfft, gone just disappears yeah. yeah i mean axie infinity was like the golden child for web3 gaming that was like what everyone was talking about and people were so excited about how it was like giving jobs to people in the philippines and stuff like that even though there was just like bonkers stuff happening there um part of me like kind of wonders what would have happened in like the alternate universe where the hack didn't happen because i think Axie was kind of on the way down, you know, already the economy in the game had sort of started to collapse. Um, and so I would have kind of wanted to see what happened if they had just re- like rode that out. Right. But yeah, the hack definitely threw kind of a wrench in things and the game absolutely has not recovered. Right. And there's been no Web3 game to take its place. Like you'd think like, oh, if this was really a, a, a growing sort of space, Oh, what a perfect opportunity. Axie Infinity shit the bed. Time for this game to yeah. rise up and, and take the mantle. But no, nothing. N- yeah, nothing. I mean, there are others out there, but I think the problem with Web3 Gaming is that... Gamers don't want know, it. <laughs> well, there's a lot of problems with Web3 Gaming, but it's like, if you... You know, if token prices are really high, like they were, you know, last fall... um you know, 2021, not, not this past fall. Um, you can kind of draw people in with the idea that like, you can get these tokens that are worth a lot and you don't actually have to do much to do it. You just grind away at this game. But right now token prices are really low. And so then they're left with the fact that the games just suck, you know, like the games are just not fun at all. And also the tokens that you're getting are not worth anything. And so people are like, who cares? <laughs> you know? Right, right. And then there was the and then when to- the token prices are high, there was that disgusting thing. You mentioned the Philippines, where yeah. if you wanted to play the game, you had to like, and you couldn't afford to do so, which obviously a lot of people couldn't because these you had to literally like, you know, you go to a store, you pay sixty bucks, fifty bucks, whatever for a, a Switch or an Xbox or PlayStation game, and and that's that. You have the main game. Sure, there's like downloadable content, but that's bonus stuff. You don't need it. Um, with these Web3 games, like the, the the barrier to entry for some of them are thousands of dollars to play a game. Yeah. And so you would get – would they, like uh, Axie Infinity had scholarships where people would literally work for those who could afford to buy the NFTs that would enable you to, to play. And they would have to give a portion of their earnings to that player uh, – to that NFT owner, I should say – in like perpetuity. I mean, I guess until they decided not to use that NFT anymore. Like yeah. that's first of all, very bizarre to call it a scholarship. I would have called yes. it like 
Axie indentured servitude or something like that. <laughs> very weird. Low like, wage gaming. Yeah. Yeah. Very weird. Very bizarre. Yeah. It was really strange. Like, I mean, it was kind of something that you could sort of anticipate. I think if you just looked at the economics of it, it's like it very quickly became more lucrative to acquire a bunch of axes and then like pay people, you know, 70% of whatever the winnings were to play for you versus like just playing yourself with however many characters you had. Um, and so like, you know, you could probably have predicted that might happen, but one thing that was just really remarkable about it is how it was spun as like this win for crypto and how, you know, this was showing how crypto could, you know, bring employment to these, you know, developing countries where the other options out there for work were really bad. And so it's like, instead of, you know, working in really terrible conditions, they can just play this game all day and that, you know, they'll make more money doing that. And it's like, there weren't, enough people just being like why is that paying them you know like what value is being created that they are being rewarded for um and then you know it did what bubbles do which is that you know the people who signed up to play the game when the whatever the earnings were you know happened to um surpass you know minimum wage in the philippines or whatever soon found themselves making like a fraction of what they needed to live on right it was the whole thing was i'm happy that we 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 decided to move past that as a as a as a people <laughs> at least for now <laughs> yeah well i mean there are absolutely a lot of people out there trying to sell the right. same sort of right thing that, but... that's still sort of being pushed in like the the cool hip like hipster web3 circles is like nah it's still like the, the metaverses and the gaming stuff is still what's like gonna and when i say cool hip i mean like the people trying to portray themselves like that because i don't think anyone should think that i think anything in crypto is cooler <laughs> <laughs> especially metaverse right oh yeah metaverse lame as shit uh <laughs> um let's just i guess uh do do one more each um because uh I feel like I feel like there's so many to talk about, but I wanna, I wanna, I wanna really make sure we hone in on just like the few of the ones that people should not forget about when leaving, like when 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 thinking back to this year, and then we could end on like a what we think's gonna happen in 2023. Um, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a, a positive one because I really enjoyed this. Um, this was the only instance I've ever seen where. Uh, a rug pull was a net positive. And that is when, uh, for a split moment in time, the government of Ukraine decided that they were going to airdrop tokens to anyone who donated to Ukraine once, uh, I guess I should go back a little bit, Russia invades Ukraine in February of this year. And as Ukraine tries to raise money to fight back against the country that has invaded them, um, they go to crypto and I have my issues with uh, crypto and have my issues with them going to crypto. And, but it's understandable that you would just try to raise money wherever you could. It can't be picky at that moment in time. But one thing they did was in order to get the, uh, the donations up, they said that they were going to airdrop like a special token, like a, a crypto token to everybody 
or something. I don't think they were specific ever about what they were going to airdrop. They yeah, promised... or maybe it was an NFT. I don't yeah. really remember. They promised a vague airdrop. And immediately, the 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 charitable consciousness of crypto just immediately just comes together and goes out of the goodness of their heart, certainly not pushed by the uh, the idea of maybe they could get something monetizable out of this. The the donations all of a sudden skyrocket. And immediately after, I guess, the Ukrainian government, I think they even went on record, if I recall, saying that they realized what was going on and they didn't feel comfortable um, giving people stuff, uh, you know, in as in like an exchange. Like this was supposed to be charitable and those were supposed to be, the, the NFTs were, were supposed to be like those PBS tote bag thank yous. You're not supposed to buy the tote bag. Yeah, you're supposed to actually... For the secondary value, yeah. Yeah, you're supposed to actually care about PBS and the tote bag is just a thank you. Just like a, yeah. Uh, so they canceled the airdrop after tons of people donated. And I was never happier to see a bunch of people uh, rug pulled. It was, it was fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, and there was kind of a period of time where it wasn't always clear if someone who was saying that they had been rugged by Ukraine was, like, joking or not. Like, I think there were some people who genuinely felt like they had just been scammed by Ukraine. Right, right, which makes it even better. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just amazing. Like, I remember I did a piece on before, like, it wasn't even around the whole rug pull idea. It was just looking at the donations before they announced the airdrop. Then looking at the donations on just the two days where there was going to be an airdrop. And then I looked at all the donations for like two weeks at, from the day that Ukraine canceled the airdrop. And it was like flatline, huge spike, like a straight yeah. up, just like off the charts. And then after the airdrop was canceled, straight down, even lower than it was the days before oh, the no. airdrop was, was announced. It was like no more donations existed whatsoever. It was done. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, someone told all the uh, charitable uh, crypto advocates that maybe they just were under the idea that Russia left Ukraine back in like <laughs> yeah, February. It. Yeah, it was all <laughs> done. Yeah. I think that Ukraine really should have dragged that out as long as possible. Like they could have kept that going for a long time. <laughs> right, right. A year-long airdrop. Donate no, now and you get I promise, guys. <laughs> right. Donate now and you get the airdrop 8 months from now. Do it yeah. now quick. <laughs> yep. Oh man, I mean, just unbelievable. I real, I got a great joy out of that one. I really, I really like that one. It's as you can see, it put a, it still puts a smile on my face. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best of both worlds. Like Ukraine got money and crypto people got scammed. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, but one thing that that came out of that that I thought was just really the grimy, and there was no positives in it. The grimiest of the grimy was. When um when Ukraine started rolling out more um crypto tokens that they were accepting, yeah, um and you know they were accepting at first it was just like Bitcoin and Ethereum, and then they realized I guess there were some other big co tokens that like people wanted to give them, which is fine if you have like a number of different people saying, oh, but I have this token, I want to give it, okay, but then there were the actual owners of the tokens coming in, and going, I will give you. One million dollars. Yeah. If you, if, and only if you accept my token, and it's like you dirty rat. 
You, yeah, it you was so motherfucker. Gross. It's, yeah, it's so because the whole reason was obviously the promotional uh, value right. to them. Like, oh, Ukraine's accepting our token. We've made it now. Um, right. They didn't care about giving the money. If they did, they would have just given the money. Yeah, right. I know. I, I remember being so disgusted by that. I think it was Polkadot was the one that did that. They were like, if you list a Polkadot address, I'll give, I think it was like $5 million or something like that. And people called him out on it. And he tried to come up with some story about like, well, no, I, I just have so much Polkadot and, you know, it would be a taxable event if I had to convert it to ETH or something, you know, something really right. transparent was, like that. But He wasn't the only one either, though. Justin yeah, Sun. Justin he was Sun. The, yeah wanted them to list Tron too. I think he probably got the idea from the Polkadot guy. But right, right. Yeah, it was, it was just like, the just, ugh. Yeah, it's like do you have no shame? I mean yeah. you're 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 selling you're selling crypto tokens, so I, I mean, guess just the answer clearly has no shame. But <laughs> right. uh yeah, it was like really quite I think I used the word ghoulish for that. It's like that was like the only word that really seemed right. Right, right. Oh. All right, Molly. Uh uh, I mean, why don't you, why don't you well, let me quickly say, just in case this isn't the one you're going to do, we should just quickly mention the crypto lenders. We don't have to get too much into it, but all the crypto lenders that came mm-hmm. and went Celsius, Voyager, uh, BlockFi, I mean, really, uh, crypto lending really, uh, showed it, showed what it was worth this year. Didn't it? Yeah, I mean, bad year for crypto lending. <laughs> I mean, the and, idea. You know, Genesis, I think you could add to that list too. Right. Genesis, well, and Gemini. Right. I mean, I don't know if that was what you were going to say, but uh, I wanted to make sure we, we just snuck the lenders in there. Uh, yeah, it actually wasn't. Mine is a smaller one. <laughs> I, no, I love the small ones because I, I can't, I, the show, I can only do so much with the show. Uh, and so I feel like I got to pick one thing a week. And yeah. so the little ones, I don't usually get to tell my audience about. So that's when it's perfect when you come on and let us know. Boom, 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 boom. Here are the few little ones you should know about. Take it away, Molly. What is something we should not have missed in the crypto world in 2022 that we probably did? <laughs> so I think one of my favorite hacks this year was the hack of a, a I don't even know, it was a, some sort of a stablecoin project built on Solana called Cashio, I think. I don't know um, that one. Yeah, it was, so it was in March, and someone stole $52 million, which, you know, that's not particularly uh, remarkable, but the hacker kind of turned into, like, Robin Hood, <laughs> and he decided that he, he basically took $52 million and then decided that he was going to, well, they were going to give all the money back to anyone who had less than $100,000 in their accounts. And so he basically only took money from people who had over $100,000. And then he said he was going to donate it to charity. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, we don't know if they donated to charity, but we do know that uh, because this would be on the on the blockchain, whether that hacker gave it back to the people who actually had under 100K in their wallet. And, and he did that. Yeah, I believe so. And it ended up with so what ended up happening is people were like, wait a second. You know, the $100,000 cutoff isn't fair because that could be people who had their life savings 
in this Casio app on leverage. And so, you know, they're going to be totally wiped out and they weren't super rich. They just had all of their money on this app. And so then the hacker had to be like, okay, fine. And so they ended up saying that basically, if you can explain to us where the money came from and why you need it, <laughs> then we'll give that back to you too. And then what was really wild is that the Casio company themselves ended up putting together a website where people could basically message the hacker through their website. Yeah, they were like facilitating this sort of weird, you know, ransom. (laughs) Oh my God. I love this idea of this Robin Hood hacker. Hold on a second. Hold on, hold on. Here I just noticed that I'm saying, as I'm referring to the hacker, I'm referring to the hacker as a he. And now I'm putting two and two together and... This is your favorite crypto story of 2022. And ideologically, if I was a hacker, I would do something like this. And I know we're pretty close on the ideological spectrum. So, but I don't have the same programmer coding skills that you do. I think I hear a siren. <laughs> Molly, are you the are you the Casio Robin Hood? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you caught me. <laughs> if I were, this is like the OJ Simpson. If I did do it, that's what I would do. <laughs> right. I mean, so would I, right? I mean, that's the way to go. I love it. I love it. Oh my god. That's the perfect way to close out 2022. Uh so now Molly, just just a really quick like end the episode with a nice Nice looking forward. What do you think we're looking at in 2023? What, what, how, how much further can crypto fall? What is, are we going to see more exchanges die out? Are we going to see, uh, yeah, I think it looks looking like it, right? We might. Yeah. I mean, I think the big question at this point is what's going to happen to Binance. You know, there's a lot of shady stuff happening over there and it is not immediately apparent. Uh, how much they can actually tolerate before things go under. So, you know, before um, before FTX collapsed, they processed, I think, $6 billion in withdrawals in a day. Binance just processed $6 billion this past week in withdrawals. And so they're, they're seeing, you know, kind of a similar, I hate to say bank run because it's not a bank and should not be compared to one, but you know, a run on the exchange, I guess, that uh, they're experiencing a similar one to to what FTX saw. And so it's like, boy, I sure hope it's not all, you know, popsicle sticks and bubblegum holding Binance together like it was with FTX, because a Binance collapse would be incredible. And if it does happen, I hope that they please just wait till the new year so I can just have a little bit of rest. <laughs> 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 I mean, I mean, hey, we're we're recording this episode, uh, you know, a little bit earlier than I usually record the the weekly drops of the scam economy episode of the week, uh, because exactly what you said, it's going to be the holidays. I, you know, it's people can be busy, so I thought this would be the time to talk about this for an episode in the future. I'm actually worried that uh, maybe this episode will come out after <laughs> finance. Possible. <laughs> We should have like two endings and one of them we can be like, I knew it was going to happen, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we saw it coming. <laughs> uh, funny story. I actually, we, when I recorded the episode with Ed Zitron, 
Um, the the uh, Friday night that FTX went bankrupt, we then had to come back together the following Saturday night or or Sunday. I can't remember. Just in a day or two, we had to come back and record a brand new like thirty minutes to talk about how CZ of Binance started selling off the his FTT token, FTX's token, and how that was causing a whole thing. And because uh, it wouldn't have been a good episode if we left that yeah. huge thing out. And then there was that hacker too, the hacker that stole all the the yeah. uh, the, the the money from FTX, which still I don't even know what happened to it; it just disappeared or something. It's I don't still even... gone, as far as I can tell. Right? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, the p- positive thing is, Web three is going great, and scam economy will not be short on content in twenty twenty three. They are going just great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. Molly White, once again, absolutely love having you on this show. Uh, where can people find you online? I am Molly0XFFF on Twitter. I am the same on Mastodon. I am on the Hackyderm server, H-A-C-H-Y-D-E-R-M. Uh, and then I am at mollywhite.net. All right. Awesome. Everyone check out Molly everywhere. Uh, as long as you can be on certain platforms, honestly, you might. You might <laughs> so maybe you should check her out everywhere just in case you get kicked off of one very specific one. Yeah, right. I do. And I have my links in my uh, my Twitter pinned tweet until Elon makes me take them down. So <laughs> Right, right. Yes. Oh, my God. Have a great night, Molly. Always, always love talking. <laughs> you too. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode, the first of Scam Economy in 2023. This episode actually took a bit longer than I thought it would to get out to you all, simply because, well, A, I took a week off during the holidays, just, you know, spend time with the family and and reset after this crazy year that was. And then B, I went to CES the following week, which I will tell you, last week on my other podcast, Doomed, I did sort of a Doomed Scam Economy crossover show and did an episode about CES, which I will be dropping in the Scam Economy podcast feed for people who haven't seen it in the coming days. And then C, last week was supposed to be the first episode of the year, but then I got sick. I was out of it for a couple of days with a fever and everything, but I'm better now and I'm feeling good, feeling refreshed, feeling close to a hundred percent. And I'm ready to take on yet another year of the scam economy. So go to scameconomy.com If you haven't done so already, find the link to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to scam economy right now. Also, if you have a minute, Go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever podcast platform you so choose and leave a review for the show as well. If you prefer video, go to youtube.com slash mattbinder and subscribe to the YouTube channel or go to twitch.tv slash mattbinder and follow me there. And if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, be sure to connect your Amazon account to your Twitch account and you get a free Twitch Prime subscription every month. That's free for you to give a paid subscription to your favorite creator. Paid for by Amazon, obviously. So be sure to do that. Don't let it go to waste. And of course, if you'd like to directly help fund this show, go to patreon.com slash mattbinder and become a monthly paying subscriber. 
Your Patreon subscription helps me grow this show and do so much more in the coming year ahead. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter and on Mastodon at Matt Binder. And you can follow this show on Twitter as well at Scam Economy. I hope you all have had a great new year so far. And I'll see you all next time on the Scam Economy. <laughs>